evening, everyone. Welcome to Rehope. Uh, Happy New Year. If I've not seen you yet, it is now 2019. Does it feel like the future? <laughs> I think it does. Um, I hope you all had a good holiday, a good time away. If you didn't have a good holiday, then let's just say we'll leave 2018 and 2018 and we'll press on to what is next. Well, it seems to me from my casual scrolling of social media that not as many famous people died in 2018, you know, I think. Like 2017, it was like every two weeks, oh, this person's died. It was like bad news after bad news. But last year wasn't as bad for that. Although it was a year ago this time that our good friend Jamie Crooks declared over the year 2018 that it would be the year of drastic change. And little did we know all the, all the different things that would unfold over the year. And I don't know about you and, and what you've experienced in this last year, but I feel like 2018 was one of those years that we all got to the end of the year and we were like, how did even all that happen? Like this time a year ago, I had no idea of the things that were about to happen, whether they're good or bad. Like, I have so many friends who either got new jobs and moved to new places, or God called them into the next step in their calling and they left Glasgow, or they left uh, the country, uh, or, or just like unexpected events occurred and, and things changed. And in that, there's been a lot of grief, there's been a lot of sadness, a lot of change. Uh, but then there's also been some really good things that have come about. Like in 2018, our Rehope long time prayer for more space as a church finally got answered. And uh, we get the keys this week to our new building on the south side, which is amazing. Praise God for that. Uh, we'll be launching services at the end of February. And we're also planning some refresh refurbishments here in the West End, and hopefully in 2019, you will all spend much less time in that toilet queue down there, right? <laughs> so we're getting a couple new toilets put in. Um, so it's a good time. This is a year where new can actually mean new, and I am excited for it. I've got high hopes looking ahead, which isn't difficult for me because I'm a seven on the Enneagram, but uh, yeah, I'm feeling positive about what's coming up. I think it's gonna be good. Uh, personally, I believe that next year, the year 2020, we are going to see something really unusual in God's kingdom happening. And we're going to see a lot of more people coming to God uh, than we've seen before in recent history. If you want to ask me why I think that, you can ask me after this. I'd love to chat about it. Um, but I'll tell you what I'm seeing right now in Glasgow with my own natural eyes. It seems like every church or, or a lot of churches in Glasgow uh, are responding to God in a call to multiply. It's not just us. A lot of churches are uh, either starting new churches in the area or somewhere else um, from their own church or, or sending out teams to church plant. Like I know so many people that have joined new churches, like brand new churches that are launching this year or have launched last year. And it just seems to me that it's like God is expanding uh, his body, re repositioning people, like calling them onto the next and having everyone ready where they need to be so that when he brings in a number of people that he wants to meet him and to be in an environment where they can be in community with people who love him, where, where they can uh, grow in him in relationship with him, it's like we're just setting the stage and getting everything ready for that. So I'm personally really excited. Uh, I also think that 2017 and 2018 seem to be an unusually testing time for a lot of us. Uh, what I mean by that is, it's like hard stuff just happened. Uh, sometimes things we saw coming, sometimes things we didn't see coming. But in every hard thing, it's like there was an opportunity to either persevere and endure and keep going, keep following after God uh, in the hard time, or to just <laughs> give up and not keep going. 
but I think God gave us this opportunity. Um, James talks about testing and trials actually being a good thing. Listen to this. James 1 says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And this is why God allows us to go through tough times sometimes, because he actually, he believes in you and he believes in the potential of you. And sometimes we don't have an opportunity to stand up in maturity until we're really tested in it. And I've seen people this last year meet really hard trials and persevere and overcome and come out stronger and God has propelled them into their next steps. I've also seen people who are still in that hard trying phase and they're still persevering, they're still enduring and it's hard work, but I know that God is doing some really deep good stuff there. And I also know people who have met hard times and just given up. And I don't mean people who it's just been too hard and, and they're like low capacity now. I mean like people who have consciously made a decision that I'm done with this. I, I have been walking with Jesus in a certain direction, but actually now I'm actually just going to go the op opposite way because I don't want to do that anymore. But the thing is that we start this year all on level ground. Whether you are someone who has persevered, whether you're struggling or whether you have given up, we have an opportunity to come back to God with us as we are. And he accepts us as we are. And so we start uh, the year here in Rehope with a week of prayer and fasting. <laughs> and we do this as an opportunity so that all of us, no matter where we're starting from, can come back to God, can get our hearts in alignment with him, and can actually seek him and hear from him and hear what is on his heart for this year. How can we be following him? What can we be praying into? What can we be asking him to do? So from Monday the 14th of January to Friday the 18th of January, we warmly invite you, if you are physically able, to eat no food for five days and to pray a lot that God would be made known this year. And that is a weird invitation, I would agree. Uh, why would people do that? Is that even safe? Am I going to die? <laughs> um, I'll tell you, if you're healthy to begin with, you're not going to die. The human body can actually last 40 days-ish without food. Um, but fasting for any amount of time is going to be hard work, and I know it's definitely not for everyone. So that's why I'm going to talk a bit about it tonight, hopefully to share our heart behind it so that you can consider, is this something that I want to have a go at this year? See, we all live in a culture that celebrates food. When I grew up, the most exciting thing was going to McDonald's. It'd be like, chicken nuggets and chips. <laughs> Isn't that just the best thing that could happen? Uh, when I was 17, I went on a gap year, went to America. And in America, it seemed like all my friends were about steak. They'd be like, yeah, steak for dinner. And I didn't grow up in a family that ate steak, so I thought it was funny they were this excited about it, but steak was the thing. Now it's 2019, I live in Glasgow, I hang out with a lot of millennials, so now it's like, oh, poached eggs. Oh, I love poached eggs, yeah, I love poached eggs too. And it seems like you can't go to a cafe now without everything on the menu having the option to have a poached egg on top, right? So that, that seems to be the thing that we're all celebrating right now. So clearly food is more to us than just energy for our bodies. It's our culture, it's our social life, it's creativity, it's pleasure, 
it's rest, it's celebration. And since I also love food for all of these reasons, why on earth would I want to starve myself of food for five days? Well, the fact is this. We are all more than just physical beings. And deep down, I think we all have a longing for something deeper, for something spiritual. And so sometimes we deny ourselves physically so that we can be filled spiritually. See, when we fast from food, we make a conscious decision to uh, not put all our attention on what do we need physically, but actually to remind ourselves we are more than just the physical and to spend that time leaning on God, seeking his spirit to lead us and pressing into to something deeper there. And the combination of fasting with prayer, of humbling ourselves physically to seek God spiritually, there is something really powerful about this. And it seems that in some way or another, God always seems to show up and do something wonderful. And I expect that in this church, uh, most of us probably come from backgrounds where this isn't a normal practice. Uh, maybe you did grow up with this. Maybe you've heard of this before. Uh, but my assumption is that most of us here did not grow up hearing about people fasting from food and praying and expecting God to move. It's hard. It is a spiritual discipline. It takes intentionality. But it is not just for the spiritual giants out there or the, um, the really spiritual people. Actually, anyone can do this and anyone can meet God in it. Richard Foster has written a really great book on spiritual disciplines in general. It's called Celebration of Discipline. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a wee quote from it because I find it helpful. So he says, We must not be led to believe that the disciplines are only for spiritual giants and hence beyond our reach, or only for contemplatives who devote all their time to prayer and meditation. Neither should we think of the spiritual disciplines as some dull drudgery aimed at exterminating laughter from the face of the earth. Joy is the keynote of all the disciplines. The purpose of the disciplines is liberation from the stifling slavery to self-interest and fear. I'm going to say that sentence again because it's good. The purpose of the disciplines, like fasting, is liberation from the stifling slavery to self-interest and fear. Who doesn't want to be set free from self-interest and from fear? I think we all want some more peace in our lives. When the inner spirit is liberated from all that weighs it down, it can, be, it can hardly be described as dull drudgery. Singing, dancing, even shouting characterize the disciplines of the spiritual life. See, this can be something really exciting. We were all created to be not just physical, but also spiritual. And we have this deep hunger for something more that food cannot satisfy. So our goal in this, it's not just to starve ourselves, it's to know God. It's to love God, it's to actually see him move in our lives. How can we actually love a God that we don't know? How can we love a God that we don't always see? I'll be honest, I think that it's hard to love someone that you just know about but you don't actually interact with or you don't see him or you don't really know what he's doing. Like you can think in your mind that you love him but do you really love him if you're not interacting with him in that way? And the heart behind prayer and fasting is to seek God, to, to get reconnected with him, to, to hear his voice, 
to ask him to intervene in our lives so that we can actually see him, so that we can actually know him, so that we can actually love him. And that should be the heart behind prayer and fasting. In fact, I'd say that that's the heart behind all forms of prayer. If you're seeking to grow in your prayer life and if your motivation is anything except that you just want to know and love God, then you're not going to be fully satisfied in it. Don't make prayer about just something that we should be doing as Christians. Like this is a relationship. This is an opportunity to draw close to God, to see him, uh, to know him, to love him. And who doesn't have a longing to actually know and experience the almighty God of all the earth? But let's be honest, fasting is weird (laughs) in our culture. I mean, in a generation where the council supplies food waste bins to every home and actually uh, comes and collects your food waste for free, I think we are all used to having enough food. (laughs) But fasting has not always been a weird thing. Anyone heard of the 5-2 diet? Anyone? Yep, some people. Uh, The 5-2 diet is a a health thing um, where... I think you're meant to eat normal food for five days of the week and then on two days of the week you either fast or you eat significantly less calories. And there's all these health benefits and things which I'm sure are true. Uh, but actually the early church did two days of fasting every single week. So they started the 5-2 before we did. <laughs> uh, in fact it was so normal then that um, in the medieval church in the Middle Ages they made a, a requirement for all Christians to fast two days of the week to the point where I think it just became like a legalistic practice that everyone had to do. It maybe lost some of the life out of it. So when the Reformation happened, a lot of Christians just completely rejected the concept of fasting because they'd probably not seen it be uh, done in a healthy way and they thought that's just a religious practice that gets done for no reason. And so they just kind of did away with fasting altogether. Which is a shame because I think it started out of a good heart and maybe then in rejecting fasting, people have missed out on some of the riches of what we can get out of it. In Scottish history, uh, regular fasting was normal too. Did you know that the Gaelic words for days of the week literally talk about fasting? I'll tell you about it. Okay, Gaelic speakers, you can laugh at my Gaelic. I'm still learning. (laughs) These are the Gaelic days of the week. Um, And I've got the meanings of them as well. So, Judonich and Lana Sabich, two words for Sunday, which is like day of the Lord or Sabbath day. Jaluin and Jamarst. These come from the Latin uh, root, meaning day of the moon and day of Mars. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, look at this. Jekiatin, Jerdun, Jehunya literally translate in ancient Gaelic as Wednesday, day of the first fast. Thursday, day between two fasts. And Friday, the fast day. So they literally referred to days as the week as that day, Uh, that we first fast, that day that's between the fasts, and that fast. That that was just so normal in the week's rhythms in Scotland that that is how the language developed that. Can can you even imagine that? So it's only in recent history that we stopped fasting as a regular thing. Let's look at some Bible examples. If you're in a Bible read-through group, if you're in the habit of reading the Bible cover to cover, you will see that fasting comes up all the time. So many characters in the Bible who know and love God, uh, that just seems like a normal thing that they do in lots of different situations. So I've I've picked a few here, uh, but there are so many more examples of this. The the really obvious one is Luke 4 2, um, and this is Jesus fasting for 40 days before being led to a time of testing. 
uh, it says, then Jesus returned from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and when they were over, he was hungry. I bet he was. And we see this pattern here of um, 40 days of fasting and leaning on God, leaning on the Spirit. A time of testing and then actually overcoming that testing. And then it was after that that Jesus was released and propelled into his ministry, his calling, what he was really brought to earth to do. And I've seen that pattern here in church, here with my friends, with myself, where often it goes in that order. Like you spend some time leaning into God and seeking him, maybe with fasting, maybe with other practices as well. And then there's like a testing opportunity where God's saying, are you up to this? Are you ready to follow me? But then when you overcome that testing, then he opens a door and you get released into your calling, you get released into the next thing. And it's great and it's exciting. So I see that here with Jesus. Deuteronomy 9.9 talks about Moses who did an absolute fast for 40 days before meeting God. He says, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat bread or drink water. You know, this is a supernatural one because the human body is not meant to be able to survive that long without water. Personally, I would suggest that you don't do an absolute fast with no drinking as well as no eating unless God has very specifically told you to do that, because that would require a supernatural miracle. Um, but apparently, apparently it can happen. Apparently God leads people to do that sometimes. Daniel 9. Okay, Daniel in general. Like, just read the book of Daniel. You will see so many different cases where Daniel goes running to God with prayer and fasting. Uh, but in this one in particular, I love in Daniel 9, uh, Daniel is deeply troubled that he says that the number of the years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Basically, he's like, oh no, people in Jerusalem are going to be destroyed. This can't happen. I'm going to pray and fast and seek God on this. Fasting can be like our desperate go-to to be like, God, I really need your help. I really need you to intervene in this situation because I am deeply troubled about this. And there's loads of examples as well of Daniel, not just uh, fasting to ask God to help, but also fasting to ask God for understanding, for revelation. Uh, maybe many of you here have heard words from God in dreams and visions, and you just have no idea what they mean. Or you have a sense that God's with you, but you just don't know what he's saying. If that's you, that is normal. Often God speaks and we don't understand him at first. And so maybe this is something you could be praying about if you're fasting. You could pray, God, give me understanding. Speak to me. Help me understand. That's what Daniel did. Also, Ezra 8, 21 to 23, he asks everyone to pray and fast that they would have a safe journey as they travel. If you struggle with fear, if you get anxious, if you're nervous, if you feel unsafe ever, why don't you spend some time fasting and praying, asking God for safety, asking him for peace? See, in the Bible, there are so many different kinds of fasts. Some of these are like individual people pursuing God. Some, people, so some of them are like groups of people doing it together for a certain cause. Some of these fasts were led by God, where God asked the person to fast. And some of them were led by people where the people decided, I'm going to pray and fast. And I would say there's not one right way and right circumstance to fast, uh, but they all come back to this same heart, which is to know God, to seek him, to love him, and, and to see him intervene. Sometimes we deny ourselves physically to be filled spiritually. 
so we can walk by the spirit, not by the flesh, pursue God and know him as he can actually be known here on earth. And I've personally experienced the, the life-shaping power of drawing close to God in, in prayer and fasting, uh, seeing him direct, seeing him speak. Uh, but I, I actually chased up some of our Rehope family across the world uh, who have some really great stories about how God has spoken to them and, and directed them through prayer and fasting. So we're going to watch a couple videos now from a couple of our old friends. Um, have we got them up there? And then we can keep talking.
If I do swap the tweet of this tweet with that vision, I will do it at once. But after that, the doubt, the fear. What if, at the end of this week, things won't be changed enough? If I will be dissatisfied about the answers? God, I confess and repent all my fear. Take it, replace it with faith, and reply to that with your voice. The discouragement of these months is probably an enemy attack in the areas where we are choosing to be obedient. Keep doing what you know is right. It's the message that I keep getting from God. Day 4 After another confusing night, confusing dreams, I woke up many times. Even sleeping is losing some of its pleasure. Dawn, where are you? A conviction grows. This looks in many aspects like a fight. Keep fighting. I have noticed that many times this year, I and we as a couple have not been very ambitious. We are mature and wise, but we play quite safe. I would love an adventure. Do you have any ideas for us, God? I know it's a risky question. I've had a chat with Rujada the morning after fasting. We were both disheartened, frustrated, because we had not received what and how we desired and asked for. Discouraged that our expectations still not too high. 
the back and then the church ones uh, on, on the front. I suppose last year's fast, uh, I was a little bit in the moment disappointed. I, I suppose I, I wanted more from last year's fast during the fasting week. I wanted to see answered prayer quickly. I wanted to see breakthrough quickly. In fact, I, I, I would have wanted to know that by now, all of our more space things would have been long gone. We would have moved into new space. I would have loved that. But last year's fast, looking back, has been one of the most significant moments of our, of our church's story. And in, in fact, I, I didn't even realize it at the time. Um, in, during the fast last year, God talked to me about multi-location, having multi-locations. Um, and, and it seemed like one thing, and it wasn't really big and dazzling. But now looking back, you know, on, on our cards here, it was like praying for St. Jude's, uh, St. Jude's Church. And, and yet God had something different for, for us, and he was speaking to it about fasting. And then as the years unfolded, you know, our church has gone from looking for one main location to now several locations. And, and that just came from, again, fasting and, and humbling ourselves. God, this is what we want. This is what we kind of think you're, you're doing, opening up. And instead, during this time, God's like, I actually have something different for you. And, and um, so definitely, I think that hearing from God last year as, as a church, we together humbled ourselves, has been, has been huge at, at redirecting our trajectory uh, to be more closely on track with, with God's trajectory. So yeah, I, I, this, is, this is a testimony of God opening up more space, which we are actually going to be acquiring uh, this week. We're going to be acquiring uh, one, year, one year later the, the actual more space. Again, I was disappointed at the time with last year's fasting and expecting so much more, but it turned out to be vastly more significant than I could have ever imagined. Be encouraged, church. Uh, as we seek God and we humble ourselves with fasting, Things really do change, even if it takes a while. Blessings. <laughs> I know that many of you here <clears throat> will not be able to fast this January for actual good reasons. It could be health-related. Uh, maybe you need to take medication that requires you to have food. Um, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, probably don't fast because your baby didn't get that choice. Uh, there'll be some jobs that it would just be completely unwise to put your, your body in, in that kind of physically weak state and still be able to do your job well. So whether or not you join with us next week for, for a week of fasting, it is completely between you and God. So you can be praying about it, you can be asking him for wisdom on, on if this is something uh, that, that you want to join us in. But if you do decide to join us, then I want to give you some practical tips to help you out. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot some of these down. Number one, prayerfully plan your fast. Start by asking God firstly if he wants you to do it. And then check your heart motives and why are you doing it. If your heart is honestly that you want to know God more and you, you want to see him intervene in your life, then that is a good reason to fast. You should do it. But if you just regret eating too much chocolate and cheese over Christmas and you're hoping that you're going to lose some weight, that's not a spiritual discipline, that's just starving yourself. So check your heart before you start. Number two, think carefully and intentionally about what your prayer times are going to be like. Like, are you going to be petitioning to God for breakthrough and help in a situation? Are you 
simply wanting to spend time sitting in God's presence and, and enjoying him? Or maybe is there something in particular that you want him to speak on and you want to hear from him? Like, have some thoughts before you go in. What do you want it to be like? And and actually schedule in some times where you can spend time with God. Uh, Fasting isn't just as simple as, oh, I stop eating and then suddenly I have a spiritual experience. Like, you need to have intentional time to to sit with God. And no doubt he will also interrupt you in other times. But, But think strategically. When can you spend time with God? Number three, decide. What are you going to drink? Personally, I prefer to start a food fast uh, with drinking just fruit juice. And then as days go on, I prefer just herbal tea. I know Brian Ingraham loves a vanilla latte while he fasts. Uh, I think everyone's different and this is your call. Uh, I would suggest if you're doing a food fast, maybe choose juice rather than smoothies because smoothies are basically blended food. Um, but that is, that's up to you. you. You can decide and you can seek God, like, what, what am I going to drink this week? So that you don't have that dilemma in the moment, like, oh, should I have this? Should I not? Should I? Should I not? What should I do? Just, just know when you're going into it. What are you going to drink? Four, pace yourself. I've been told that when you run a marathon, you don't just run a marathon. You start by doing uh, lots of smaller runs to get fit which I know nothing about, (laughs) but I've been told that. And and it's the same with fasting. If you've never fasted before, don't feel like you have to jump into a five-day fast. Uh, You might want to start maybe like a 12-hour fast and then maybe maybe a 24-hour one and and get a feel for it, see what it's like before you jump into something bigger. That's up to you. Number five, during your fasting week, keep a journal. Make notes from your prayer times. Write down any dreams that come to you, even if you think they're not significant. You never know how God might speak to you through them later. And also document how you're finding the fasting week. Uh, Interestingly, both years that we've done it so far, we have asked anyone in the church to give us feedback about how they found the week. And in 2017, it seems like most of the feedback we got from people, they were saying, oh yeah, the fasting week was amazing. I I didn't know what to expect going in, but I actually had all these really powerful prayer times and really felt God's presence. And I felt like he spoke to me and and I'm so encouraged and and I didn't expect that and it was so good. That was 2017. 2018, it seemed like most most of the feedback was the opposite. And people were like, it was the hardest week. I was just hungry. I didn't feel close to God. I didn't hear from him. It was just really hard, and I just persevered. But yet in the days and the weeks and the months that followed, it's like breakthroughs started happening. God started speaking. Circumstances started aligning themselves. And then actually, I think last year, we got more testimonies back of of big things that happened in response to prayer and fasting than we did the previous year. So I don't know what this week is going to be like for everyone, but, but keep a journal. Keep notes of what's going on in your prayer times, what God's speaking, how you're feeling. And this is going to be helpful as the year goes on for you to look back and remember so you can actually glorify God for what he's done since then. Number six, if you feel really unwell while fasting or just find it too hard, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Either break your fast early with something light like a salad or, or a smoothie, um, For me, usually day three, the Wednesday, is the day that I'm going to faint if I'm going to (laughs) faint. That's when I feel lightheaded. So sometimes what I do is I I just boil up a pot of vegetables and I drink the broth and and leave the solids. And that seems to give me enough energy to keep going. Uh, But yeah, don't don't kill yourself doing it. It's okay. There's no shame in breaking a fast early or or just helping yourself out a bit if you want to keep going. Don't worry about that. Number seven. Choose to have a good attitude and don't moan. 
Uh, Matthew 6.16 says, Whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that you don't show your fasting uh, to people, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, as a side note, some people read and understand this verse as, as meaning, don't ever tell anyone when you fast ever, which is actually not what I think Jesus meant in this case. Um, I think that there are times that we fast and we don't tell anyone, and that's fine. Uh, but actually, I think what Jesus is saying is, what is your heart behind fasting? Are you trying to draw attention to yourself as someone who is so spiritual and so physically weak because you're doing this really amazing thing? Or is your heart behind fasting that you actually want to seek God and you want to know him? And when we're doing a corporate fast together, we actually all need to talk about it so that we know that we're all doing it. <laughs> so that's why we talk about this. But yeah, fasting is hard. Don't use it as an excuse to turn into a moan fest and bring everyone around you down. Uh, on staff, we have a tradition where the Wednesday is dress your best day, where we all come in in like our best office attire and we try and make ourselves look really good because we don't feel good on the inside. <laughs> and it's like a, a um, let's walk in the opposite spirit to how we're actually feeling inside and just like put ourselves together well and get on with it. Um, yeah, take your, your struggles and your moaning to God in prayer and, and really lean on him. It's okay to be honest with God about how you're finding it. You can say, God, I'm really struggling right now, but I want you more than I want food right now, or I want you to intervene in this thing more than I'm hungry for food. So the fasting week, it's, it's coming up. It's an opportunity. Please don't let anything that I've said tonight cause you to feel any pressure or, or any guilt about whether or not you join in. It's an invitation. Uh, it's not a requirement in our church. And if you can't fast and pray with us this year, that is fine. There are going to be opportunities again in the future. But for those of you who are able to do it this year, here's my last encouragement to you. It is going to be hard sometimes, but it is going to be so worth it. Sometimes we deny ourselves physically so that we can be filled spiritually and that's our heart for everyone in this church we want you to know God as he can be known we want you to experience him and to see him intervene in it and fill you satisfy you deep within 